you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. We'll be looking at Luke 11, verses 5 through 10 this morning. It's actually a very interesting passage. I, I think you all are going to be a little bit surprised by what Jesus has to say to you this morning. Sitting there going, oh no. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this morning and this privilege of opening it and hearing your voice. Oh, please, have mercy on us, pity us, and grant us ears and eyes that we might hear and see the truth. Please, oh Lord, work amongst us even now, for we ask it in Christ. Amen. You know, something I've noticed throughout the years is that good salesmen are incredibly persistent. They don't take no for an answer. If you'll notice, they they don't get easily intimidated by someone saying, well, not right now. Oh, really? They kind of think, okay, there's the challenge, let's go. Not right now. They eagerly, they seem to meet every objection that we might have with reasons and solutions to our objections so that our objections are no longer really objections. And if you run out of objections, well, you pretty much have no reason why you wouldn't buy, right? So they'll often wear you down with their friendly dealings. They're, if, they're, if they're good, they're not just persistent, they're also very friendly and warm. So they'll, they'll just keep going, but they don't let up. And at last, you actually have to sometimes purchase them away. So, this, actually, this persistent quality, and if they're likable and friendly, is what makes them so good and so impossible to resist. And I couldn't help but think about how this relates to what Luke is talking about here this morning and how Jesus is talking to his disciples in Luke chapter 11. Last week, we looked at what Jesus told us to pray. And now this week, we're going to look at how Jesus tells us to pray. And if you look at the text, starting at verse 5 and following, it says this. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. He'll answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed. In with, in me, with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You know, the main point here that Jesus is trying to make is that we should pray with persistence. But even more than that, it goes beyond persistence. We're going to see that he actually is saying that you should listen up. You should this. You should be annoying with your prayers. Jesus tells the disciples, you want to know how to pray? Yeah, let's know. How do you pray? Well, you have to learn how to become annoying. Annoyingly persistent. Jesus is telling a story here about a a friend going to another friend late at night. 
looking for some food. His friend's in bed with his whole family. They're all tucked in. They're all sleeping away. And then Mr. Obnoxious shows up, wakes him up in the middle of the night. It says, the text says, at midnight. And then he asks him for three loaves of bread. Now, you have to realize that midnight in that culture is like 3 a.m. in our culture. They don't have TVs, computers, iPads, and a bunch of things, and electricity to stay up as long as they want. They light a candle, and they use oil in their candles, and, and actually oil is costly, and they might let that candle burn for maybe a couple hours, and they're going to bed, so they're probably in bed by 8 o'clock at the, at the latest. And this guy shows up at midnight. Now, just imagine for a moment, you're in bed, sound asleep, and 3 a.m. you hear... What the? I don't know about you, but that freaked me out. Are you scrambling for the gun? Like, what's that? What's going on, right? Three, are you crazy? I mean, nobody knocks at your door that late at night. So, you know, you've, you've gone to bed. You're in, you're in a state. You've got to understand the, what's going on here. This is a little startling. You Actually, I, I would think the guy probably freaked out. But in that, also in that culture... You have to understand how a house was built, especially for the, the lower poor, which is a mass section of society. It was a one-squared house where you have a kitchen, a dining area, and a sitting area, and you have mats for sleeping. Either they would lay up against the wall or be rolled up, and you would lay them down, and everybody would sleep there. So when someone knocked at the door, you could be lying there, wake up, and go, who is it? And actually, in the text, we get this indication. He's in bed. He's tucked in bed, and his whole family's there. And he says he's in bed with his children as well. So they all sleep in the same area, in the same, probably on the same mat. And then he says, he asks who it is. And he wants to figure out, you know, who is insane enough to be knocking on my door at this audacious time. And then this is what Jesus says, which is interesting. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So once he, he knocks at the door and he wakes up and he says, who is it? The guy says, hey, it's Joe. He's like, Joe, you idiot. It's like midnight. Get out of here. I, I can't believe that you actually are here asking for bread at this audacious time of night. But Jesus goes on to say, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. What's interesting here is this word translated impudence. I wondered why he didn't just translate it persistence. Why impudence? That's, that's kind of an archaic or very in-use term. I mean, he's sort of impudence, right? Impudence is like, what is that all about? But here's the crazy part. It's, it actually is perfect. Because once you know what impudence means, it makes a lot of sense and why they translate it this way. Because in the original, this idea, the idea of the word isn't just persistent at all. This is like obnoxious persistence to the point of being persistence on steroids over the top. You're annoying. You won't let up. It's that kind of person like, okay, shut up already. You're driving me crazy. 
That's why they chose impudence. Is because that's exactly what's going on here. This isn't simple persistence. It goes way beyond that. So imagine the friend not being willing to leave. And he keeps knocking at the door. And he keeps asking for the bread. Come on, you've got to give it to me. That's why Jesus says, yet because of his impudence, he'll get get up at some point. What what do you want? Do you want bread? Do you want milk? What do you want? Get out of here. I'll give you whatever you want. Just, Just leave me alone. I want to go back to bed. Right? That's the idea that Jesus is conveying here. This is the point of the story. He says it's because he acts like this that he's going to get whatever he wants. And it's actually quite humorous. Jesus is being quite humorous here as you think of the story and what's going on and as they understood it in that culture. And he tells them this. I think, wow, it's quite true. You'd probably give that guy whatever he wants because you couldn't stand it any longer. And Jesus is basically saying this. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to your prayer with your heavenly Father, you need to learn to become persistently annoying. Wow! We're not usually that good with that kind of praying. or I, I mean, not, not even familiar with that kind of praying. I was actually shocked when I'm reading this thing. You just think about this for a moment. Bring it into the context of prayer. And it starts to kind of make you think, well, that seems a little bit odd, strange, maybe disrespectful. Could we use that word? Annoy God? Pound on his door? Yeah, that's what he's saying. It actually made me think, I couldn't help but think Abraham and his prayer with God about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 18, 22, and 33, but actually, Abraham still needed a, a bit to learn. But just listen to the, how he has, interacts with God here, and you can kind of get a little bit of a sense of what's going on and how it relates to what Jesus is saying. It says that, So the men turned from there, and they went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the, right, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I, I, who am but dust and ashes. Now, suppose five of the fifty are lacking. Will, Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. 
He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. He now goes down even a notch lower, 10 lower. Then he said, oh, let the Lord, let the Lord be angry. Let, oh, not let the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Now you can get a good sense in that particular dialogue between Abraham and God of persistence. And almost if he, he's tempted to keep going right down, because he's, he's got Lot in his mind. And he's being very respectful, but he's not letting up. And he's keeping on pushing the Lord and keeping on testing him in this way. He was being persistent. Yet I don't even think he was being nearly as obnoxious and persistent as what Jesus is suggesting. He was terribly tentative. There's another person in Scripture, I think, who exemplifies this kind of praying. But it's completely different. He's persistent. He's relentless. He won't let up. But it's, it's actually far, far different. It's actually, in a sense, crazy almost. And who I'm thinking of is King David. He was praying for the life of his son, born to Bathsheba through sin. David was told that the son was going to die and the judgment, was, the judgment of death was going to come upon for what he had done, upon his son. So what did David do? Did David just accept that? No, David refused to eat. He refused to be comforted. And he, instead, he knocked on heaven's doors relentlessly for the life of his son. And why did he do this? Because David knew God was merciful and that his loving kindness endures forever. He also knew. He knew full well that God said he was going to take his life. He knew that. And yet he, he, he knew who God was. And on the basis of who God was, he prayed. But here's something else he knew. He knew who he was. David. David did not go to God on the basis of his goodness. And we know he couldn't, right? What? Nine months earlier, he's the guy who goes, commits adultery with this woman, who's another man's wife, gets her pregnant, and then he goes and murders her husband. The audacity of David to be go before the Lord and plead with him like this. I'm telling you, David gets something about the mercy and grace and kindness of God. He knew there was a chance. And here's the thing I'm willing to bet. I bet he even got close, close to getting God to show mercy. Because he knows who God is, and he was relentless, and he pursued him. And God's judgment prevailed, and he did kill the son. But even in something that treacherous of a situation, David was willing to, to plead with the Lord, to be persistent with the Lord, and go to the point where he, he knew he had a chance. If he didn't know he had a chance, he wouldn't have done it. And incredibly persistent. And I could almost surmise God himself being close to showing mercy. David almost got him, I bet, because that's the nature of God. 
His kindness, his mercy will so often prevail. And when even somebody going like David, betting on his mercy and his kindness, clearly he's not betting on his own goodness at all. He doesn't have any. He almost got God to change. In fact, Jesus gives in this particular section of scripture, he gives the punchline here. After he gives this story about this man going to his friend's house and and just being completely obnoxious just to get what he needs, he says that we have got to learn to do this, to ask, to seek, and to knock in your prayers. In verse 9 and 10, this is how he puts it, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What Jesus is doing here is telling his disciples, in a summary form, that you need to begin asking, seeking, and knocking. And he relates it to the story of what just happened. What just happened? His friend, he first of all asks. Then he starts seeking and pursuing. And pretty soon, he's like... Come on! You've got to get it for me. Relentless pounding. And this is how Jesus says we are to pray. We've got to learn to pray like this. In other words, we have to stop being wimpy, stop being meek, and stop being reserved when we go to our God. And think that somehow if he just sees us over, Oh Lord, I just humbly ask just this once. And if it be not thy will, thy will be done. And go to bed. That's how we think of prayer. And that's often what we're told of prayer because we're, talk, you know, we're talking to the God and his will, his sovereign will over all things. What he declares shall come to pass. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and he does whatever he wants. And just maybe we just throw a humble little tidbit up there and see what he does with it. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying here. That's not how we should pray. He wants us to pound the door and become relentless and not give up until God answers. He wants you to be like that salesman who will not let you leave the car lot till you drive away in that SUV. I remember being in a meeting where we were listening to these guys give this pitch for a timeshare. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a timeshare meeting. I think they find the toughest salesman in the world, on the planet, and they, they all gather at timeshare sales places. Because after the, the, the general meeting, they broke us all down. And we got almost like our personal shark. And the guy was incredible because he was super friendly and likable. I liked him in about you know, 10 seconds. I was drawn to him, and he was really friendly. And, but relentless is an understatement. I mean, he, he, and he wants to know why I would not purchase. What is it? And he would do anything and everything, it seemed like, to remove that obstacle. You don't have enough money? I'll lower the price for you. 
how about that? Still too much. You're killing, you're kidding me. I'll lower the price for you. And he, obviously he had room. And I mean, he would, he said, you got to stay here one second. I, I told him I got to leave. I got to get going. What, like, okay, just wait. I got to go talk to the manager. I got to get this lower for you. So he'd go talk to the manager. He'd come back. And of course it was lower. I, well, I don't even have the money. That doesn't matter. We'll finance it for you. No, I just, I, I don't want it. Why? Why don't you want it? Well, this guy was, I mean, I, I was standing up. We was, basically walked me out to my car. And, and finally, I bought it. <laughs> it's like, I purchased the guy away from me. But at the same time, I liked him. He had this great ability to be friendly and captivating, but relentless, and he would not take no for an answer. And I've never seen this before. It's like normally I could get people off my back. I'd just say, you know, no, I'm not interested at this time. And, and he just, he would never take no for an answer. It's like, why, Dean? Why? What, like, what is it? It's like my best friend wants to know, like, I got pain or something. He wants to take it away from me. <laughs> And I thought, you know what? As I was studying and preparing, this is how we're called to pray. That guy serves like a model in my mind. It's like when you go to the Heavenly Father, you just be that relentless and don't give up. You ask, you seek, you knock, and you keep pounding if you have to. And you keep going. And Jesus says, and those who do that, those who ask, those who seek, those who knock, guess what? Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door is open to them. So you want to know how to pray? Jesus says, that's how you pray. And I've come to realize that we're far too polite. And we're far too reserved in our prayers. You know, you should just take a perusal through the Psalms. The book of Psalms in your Bible, these are prayers. Prayers that they sung. And if we could get past the cultural differences and see what's really going on, I think we would see that, oh, we've been taught to pray like this, but we just kind of missed it. Just take a few of them for example. Psalm 17.1 says, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Give heed to my cry. My cry. Give ear to my prayer. Listen to me, God. Now, if you read that in a certain way, like it's all polite, Oh, here are just cause, O oh Lord. Give heed to my cry. You're missing the point. He's, he's pounding, and he's begging, and he's crying out to God. He's in turmoil. And Hebrews are not known f- for being reserved. You want to watch someone cry, watch a Hebrew wail. They know how to cry. They're very passionate. When he's saying this, he's crying out to God. He's pounding, hear my just cause, O Lord. Give heed to my cry. He's probably wailing. Give heed ear to my prayer. Psalm 27, 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Which is like saying, listen to me when I'm talking to you. (laughs) Have you ever said anything like that in your prayers? Yes. 
I'm sure David has. <laughs> A fine example. I'm telling you, God. I'm telling you. You have to listen to me. You have to answer me, oh God. Please, answer. Answer, oh Lord. Awake from your sleep, oh God. Psalmists have prayed that as well. Psalm 44. Awake, O God. What are you, sleeping? Arouse yourself. Wake up. Don't you see what's going on? The enemies are all around. It's like you've left us. You've forsaken us. Where have you gone? Why are you so silent? I'm telling you, if you, we just even put like half that amount of energy in our praying and passion and zeal and knowing that I've got to awaken my Lord. I've got to arouse him. He's got to hear me. And don't, that is not futile. Jesus is saying, you've got to have this mindset. Let me tell you how you should pray. But I'm, I'm, I'm convinced we kind of are yawners, are just mumblers and drift off to sleepers, prayers. Psalm 55, verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Basically, Listen to me when I'm talking to you. Please. I'm telling you things that you need to hear. You need to listen. You know, kind of like you probably had this situation with your spouse. Where somebody's not really paying attention. Or they want to walk away. And you're trying to have a conversation. No, listen to me. Please, listen to me. Just stop. Stop. Listen to what I'm saying. You ever say that? Yeah, we'll get it. We'll, we, if we are passionate about somebody hearing what we're saying, we get into it and we want to call for their attention. We want them to stop. You just need to stop for a second and listen. And you're all shaking your head. Yeah, I've said that before. Yeah. <laughs> we have got to learn to pray like this. We've got to understand that you... It's not just, oh, thy will be done, and then we move on. We have to understand that Jesus is saying you should ask, you should seek, you should knock, and you should be like that annoying, obnoxious friend that won't let go. Be convinced that I know that, just like that salesman, I know I can get the sale. I just, I'm not going to let the person leave until I do. Be convinced that I know I can get God to listen and I'm not going to leave until I get him to. God, I'm not even going to eat. I'm not going to eat and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit here and pound and it's going to, I'm going to pray until you hear me, oh God. I wish we had half of that. That kind of intensity, that kind of mindset towards our prayers. I'll tell you what, I don't. I'm not nearly like this. I was so convicted by this thing. Man, I, I don't pray like this. I was even surprised to see it like this. And as it started to come, come alive to me and I started to understand what was going on, I realized, you know what? Man, I'm far too wimpy in my prayers. Far too passive. Far, just, far too polite. I need to learn to become annoying. Think of that. 
And I believe many of us do. But this is how Jesus is telling us to pray. Of course, none of this means being disrespectful in the slightest. Jesus says don't be disrespectful. But I tell you what, it's like when you look look at what the friend was doing at the door and how aggressive he was, he's bordering, being rude anyways. But he's just impudent. Learn that word. You need to learn to become impudent. And if we do, I think we're going to start to see a little difference in our prayers. We're going to see a little difference in the responses. We need to have a mindset that I am going to shake heaven, I'm going to yell, kick, and scream, and I'm going to let God know how serious I am about this. And I want God to answer. And it's just hard. And we're going to look a a little bit next week, especially when you have a really high view of God's sovereignty and God doing all things according to his will. If you have a high view of sovereignty, which is good, but you misplace that, you can become very passive and complacent in prayer. God just does what he wants to anyway. Who am I? But I hope that this morning you see that no. You have the Father's ear. And if you're persistent, and if you're impudent, and you will not let go, and you pound heaven's doors, you're going to see a lot more answers to your prayers. Because God has a hard time refusing those people. He takes it seriously. And may God grant us grace to become those kind of prayers. Prayers. Amen. Father, we do praise you. And all I ask, O Lord, that we would learn something from this. That all of us would learn to beg, to pound, to ask. To become like that obnoxious friend who just would not stop. Father, we can see this even in the lives of our children. We know that the ones who really are persistent and won't give up and don't stop asking typically get so much. Oh, that we would be like that persistent child even. That we would learn and know that you will answer and we We'll get you to move, but we just need to learn to be much more persistent. I pray for all of us here this morning. Please, Lord, make us persistent to the point of being impudent in our prayers. For we ask this in Christ. Amen.